Welcome to the Young Money Diet Podcast. And today, as always, we're going to start off with a hot take. And I'll start us off, Raj. My hot take has to do with tipping. The whole culture and reasoning for tipping doesn't make sense to me. I think, especially in the context of restaurants and, and you know servers, we should just pay them above average wage, not average as in like minimum wage. And then if you really must, you can bake that into the cost of the food and it's a much cleaner transaction. I just don't understand why we have to make tipping the default because tipping should only be reserved for exceptional service in any faculty, in my opinion. So Raj, what do you think? I, so I haven't been in that industry in that line of work for a long time. I don't know how things have changed, but I agree and I definitely think there's some disparity in the tipping system themselves because when I was a server and we got cash tips, they say, oh, you're supposed to share with the chefs and the cooks. And that never always happens. Now, I'm sure with electronic money, it's a little bit better. But I would argue, and this is a very hot tip, but I would argue the skills and the service that the cooks are providing are well superseding what the server is giving. So I never understood, like, I have to just come out and say it. Being a server is hard, but it's not that hard. And I've <laughs> done tons of those lines of work when I was younger. And I know that might not be the nicest, most politically correct thing to say, but it's really, why do they deserve tips over a heart surgeon, and okay, bad example because they're overpaid, but how about somebody working on your vehicle? Or, I agree with you. About, any service your- industry people, in my opinion, like if someone, I go to Home Depot and someone's like stuck with me and they're like helping me find the things that I need, like ropes, bolts, whatever. I like, why do they not deserve a tip, but a restaurant server? Like, you know what I mean? It should be and, reserved for and, exceptional and- service. Yes. And it is working at a restaurant harder than working at McDonald's. Hell no. Those people bust their asses and they don't get tips. So I never understood the whole allure for restaurants specifically when so many other service providers, you don't tip, you don't even think about it. You go to a fast food restaurant, no problem. You go to uh, Home Depot, for example, like you said, and that person that goes above and beyond to help you out, those people don't get tips. No, I, I see. That's awesome. I think we can make this the episode, but we're going to divert to our main attempt today <laughs> because we can talk about this all day. Uh, what, what Raj and I wanted to highlight today is just generally a, an episode about books and, and reading and specifically uh, with respect to how our generation, Raj, and even the younger folks there too, We I think we all suffer from shorter attention span than previous generation because we're so used to having things instantly at our fingertips and we have so many options available that we can task switch at will. So, uh, you know, I want to start us off with like basically, uh, and, and the disclaimer is Raj is picking up the habit of reading. I have been an avid audiobook listener for a couple of years now, and I'm, I'm trying to pick up the habit of reading as well on the side. So we're just going to talk through that generally, and then we're going to close off the episode with some of the things that we have been reading, what we have been learning, things of that nature. So Raj, you, Mike's yours. What do you have? Yeah, so this is a topic that I wanted to pick your brain on with you because for me, I'm very intrigued about somebody like yourself moving to Canada in junior high school and having English as a second or even third language, 
you had a higher English score than me <laughs> in grade 12. And you had, a, you had an easier time uh, oh. in English 199 in university, too. And the reason I, I'm so fascinated by that is, okay, one, what's my excuse? Uh, and number two, as I'm, I'm trying to develop my verbal skills for specifically GMAT, I'm, and I've always known that it's been a detriment of mine. I, I miss out on a lot of scholarships because of my low English mark. Mm-hmm. What, what was it that for you that helped you thrive and succeed in, in high school with English? That's really impressive. You know, you don't learn English a lot later in life compared to me, born and raised English native speaker. What, what was it that, that helped you? Did so, you have to work exceptionally hard in high school? Not, not necessarily. No, uh, it's it's basically, I mean, I should preface this conversation like, you know, since like seven or eight, I've been seven or eight, I've been learning English. Like, you know, we this was a second language in my school when I was in Bangladesh. But the whole point of this is you learn English by speaking in the same way that my mother tongue is Bengali or Bangla. Like that's, that's something that... It, you don't, you just know, like everybody knows, even if there's people in that country who cannot read and write, but they can obviously speak and understand exactly what you're talking about. When it comes to English, I started with the grammar and I understood the grammar. And in in some ways you learn how to read and write before you learn how to speak fluently. Like if you go to, uh, you know, Bangladesh today or India or like wherever, I think most people there are very proficient in terms of reading and writing English in general speaking. But what they might struggle with is actually understanding what you have to say because of the accent, because of the words and colloquialism that we use all the time. And the the whole point behind that is you, I, I learned it in a very structured way, Raj. So you learn like subject, predicate, verb, noun, adjective, adverb, like all of those things. And like, where do you use each of them and how does a sentence structure come in? And I learned that before I learned how to like, just like have a conversation off the cuff. So there is pros and cons to both. I think the pros of that is like in the language arts or academics, it's easier because it's, we, we get tested on grammar and stuff all the time, GMAT including, correct? So it's some of that is a little bit more intuitive right. to me because that's just how you how I learned it versus um you know and and now it's all the same in the in the sense that this is the language i use 80 90 percent of the time anyways you know what i mean so i'm i'm surrounded by it and what what helps your listening and speaking eventually is a you have to do it you have to be submerged and immersed in the environment and also hollywood just like wholeheartedly like i've been listening to like english music growing up i have been watching hollywood movies all my life like so it's it's easy to pick up in that sense yeah. So uh, something interesting, I've always been a lazy, very bad habit from a young age to skim everything. And that does not help me comprehend. And I catch myself even doing that with work. So I'm reading technical standards, I'm reading emails. I sometimes have to, it's very painful for me to actually read it word for word and comprehend it. It takes me a lot longer than I think most native English speakers, it's, it's probably because of my bad habits growing up. And that's really when I started the GMAT, I, I recognized right away, wow, I have a big hill to climb. So the easiest way for me to have climbed this hill is to supplement my bad habits by starting to build better habits through hmm. just 
simply read it. And so that's when I came to the, the conclusion that I need to start reading at least half an hour to an hour a day. And it cannot be something for my learning. So it had to be a separate, segregated activity built habit. So, you know, studying for CFA doesn't count. Studying for GMAT doesn't count. And even I took it farther by saying I cannot read self-help or anything that directly will pique my interest. I need to read things back to basics, back yeah. to things that... So I, what I did is I looked at... The first book I looked at were what were the books that we were forced to read in grade 12. And it was Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby, Lord of the Flies, um, you know, The Giver. That's kind of a grade nine book. Yeah, Those To Kill a books, Mockingbird. I, yes, Kill a Mockingbird. So I started with, I started with George Orwell's 1984, and I started with The Great Gatsby. And, you know, if you told me a year ago that I was going to be reading these books, I would tell you, hey, you've got the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. And I, and I can attest to that. And so it's funny because my wife says to me uh, just recently, you know, a lot of people aren't reading, and I feel this way too. A lot of people aren't reading because they find that it's too time consuming and they can either use audiobooks during their commute to fill that gap or they can learn something through YouTube. So it's kind of like the attention span of Gen, Gen Y, Gen Z. Are, we don't have time. And really, once I carved out that one hour a day on, on reading, I, I really have to ask myself, what am I going to cut out to start building this habit? And is it really going to be worth my time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. So I think in a lot of ways, Raj, and, and I echo the sentiment that our attention span has really taken a hit and I can 100% um, mirror what you have gone through, which is like sometimes I would read technical standard and my ability to hold my attention on that document and, and also absorb information at the same time is severely limited. And this is, this is crazy because when I was a kid, I, you know, that was the one indulgence that my mom always allowed. It's like anytime I wanted more books, she would purchase them for me. So I grew up like, you know, reading tons of fiction in general. And then by like grade five or six, I think for whatever reason, I lost that habit and I got more into maybe sports or something. And it just kind of went out of my life. And then it just never happened again. So I have been on the trap of, I would say, to try to maximize my productivity. I have picked audiobook, I think a couple of years ago now. So I signed up for Audible. It literally, I, I, one of the credits system is like one credit a month. So money just goes out of my account. So I'm always running in deficit. That gives me an additional pressure to like always purchase or listen to new books. But some of the things that I've noticed in, and in learning to read as well is it's really about the fact that you have no alternative. So at the, at the same time, you can't be like, oh, I don't like this five pages. So therefore I'm just going to stop doing this and watch a different YouTube video or, or flip the channel effect, so to speak. So you're just going to sit through stuff that you don't necessarily want to sit through. And then hopefully 
over time, the book, if it's valuable enough or it, it's entertaining enough in the sense of fiction that it gets gets well or it's worth it. I The other thing you mentioned also is, is about fiction and nonfiction. So I, you know, both of you and I, anyone who knows us will say we are squarely fall sort of in the nonfiction category. And lately, yeah. what I have noticed, so my audiobook intake is a lot more than yours and my reading is less than yours, specifically these days. And what I do, Raj, is I go for a walk pretty much every single day for an hour. And that's when I listen to audiobooks. The chief operative being walking is like, like so low mental energy required. Like you, you can actually focus. I would imagine like 80 to 90% of your mental efforts into listening. Like I am not doing like other things when I'm listening to audiobook because I realize my ability to retain information and recall information is severely limited when I'm doing like so even driving. Driving is a big one. Like drive so I don't listen yeah. to audiobooks when I'm driving or like you know doing chores. That 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 doesn't work for me. So I just go for a walk and that's what I, I about listen to like an hour a day approximately. You know that that's pretty interesting because when I was commuting back in to and from work before COVID. Yeah. I I tried the audiobook several times and what I like I tried Audible and I found that I was getting to work and I would blink and all of a sudden it's like, okay, what happened to my forty five minute drive and what did I listen to? And and that's pretty interesting. <laughs> you talk about you talk about um, walking as a low mental activity, whereas driving you're still hopefully <laughs> mentally being, stimulated. Yeah. Being uh, being a defensive driver. So Probably likely why I didn't find audiobooks to be much use for me in terms of knowledge or retaining that knowledge, because I was probably still, even though um, once you learn how to drive, it's like you don't think about it really, but subconsciously I'm still spending mental energy on, on task at hand. Which, which in my opinion makes a but, huge difference, huge difference, that little bit. In terms of retaining yeah. and understanding, and do you do you take notes? So, so yeah, he, do, you, do you take notes or like how do you? If there's anything noteworthy, how do you capture that? So that's a very good point. So here's here's what I have been honing down. So I've been working on this skill for I would say one plus year now, and it's finally got into a point where I think it works for me. So if I'm listening to a specifically dense book, so I'll give you an example. So I think. Three months ago, I was listening to uh, effect, The Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. That's a very, very dense book with information, tactics, tips. I can't do that in an audiobook format because if I'm going for a walk and I'm listening to that, there is so many things that I need to write down for that to stick that that, that book doesn't work for me. So what I realize is instead of, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right metaphor. So let's say rather than just shooting it up your nose and into your system, like, you know, drugs, I need a constant IV drip of information, very low in term and lots of information over time. Those are the audiobooks that work well for me. So it's not very dense, but it's spread out over the book. So the ones that are my favorite by far are autobiographies. So you can listen to it. It's a right blend of like, you know, fun, humor, and also really educational. And it doesn't come at you all at once. So I can't listen to like, 
you know, something super. So if I, I'm trying to learn programming at the time and I could not be listening to an audiobook about that and expected to remember that information and without having to practice. So the books that I need to read are, are books that are dense with information that where I can like make notes on the pages, write it down on my app or X, Y, Z. But the ones that I listen to in audiobook format. So the current one I'm listening to is called Shoe Dog. And it's the story of Phil Knight, who's, uh, who's the founder of Nike. And I love books like that, which is basically like, okay, like what's been happening in his life. And it's never like so much information that I can't absorb and remember. So once I actually focus and listen to the words that he has to say, this is, this is more, of a, more of a story that just happens to be true. So those are the books that so, work well in audiobooks, in my opinion. What, what are your thoughts on... Because you mentioned when you grew up, you had, you know, your parents were buying you books and you read pretty, pretty steadily until maybe grade four, five or six. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you feel about the future generation in that age demographic? And how important do you think reading is going to be? Because I, I have uh seen little children who are maybe eight years old now with iphone and that's such an attention grabber yeah and you know i i wonder i'm just pondering what what the how that changed are, are people still reading at that young age is it still thought to be an important skill uh, or you know is it just time spent on software now in front of a screen and is that really, I mean, is that a detriment or not? What do you think? So my personal opinion is it is a detriment. And I'll come at it from a couple of angles. Number one being delayed gratification, I think is important in life. So for for you to, like you and I have become so, or I mean our generations, I guess, in general, has become so used to instant gratification. Like, you know, back in the days, even when I was a kid, like we used to rent like a VHS once a week and that was our movie night as a family, right? So that's something we'd look forward to, um, to come on Friday and then so we can go and rent a movie from VHS. Now we have Netflix, I have Disney Plus, Crave, literally every single subscription you can think of. Raj. So every single thing that I want to watch is at my fingertips. So I don't have to wait for something. And that really sets you up for failure. If you want to become, for example, let's say an entrepreneur, because you're going to start, or, or even like this podcast is a perfect example. If you and I started one episode and realized, okay, where are all our listeners? Then we'd immediately set us up for failure because sometimes there is, has to be a timed mechanism and delay between your outcome that you're looking for from time zero than when you started. So books are a perfect example of that because you there's, let's say, a 500-page book. You start in like your first 30, 40 pages. Maybe you're not that into it. Maybe you don't understand what's happening, but you read through and then you know at the end there's probably a satisfying ending waiting for you. That's in the fiction sense. In the nonfiction sense, it's a little bit different, but basically I think a delayed gratification teaches you a lot, which can come from books. Boredom is another boredom is another parallel too. Cause when you're reading a book, like I can think of so many examples, both in reading and audiobook. One there was like a half an hour period that I was listening to was like, oh, this is terrible. Like Promised Land by Barack Obama is fantastic in the sense that there's part of it that I loved and enjoyed and it was fan like awesome. 
And then there's part of that book when he was going through the healthcare bill that didn't jive with me. So there was two or three nights. It was like dreadful listening to him for two or three hours that I didn't feel great about. But the whole point of that is like, it's important in the whole context of the book. So to understand what he was going through and what his decision-making um, skill set was and how he came to those divisions, you need to go through the part that's boring. And sitting through boring things generally affects people's creativity. And you and I, sim don't, we don't have that skill anymore because no one's bored. Whenever you're bored, so, you pick up your phone. That's it, right? It, you know, it's funny you mentioned creativity too because I, I'm sure there are statistics that explain, uh, you know, watching TV that diminishes creativity opposed opposes to reading. But I've noticed personally as a history of time, and it's funny why I chose that book, because I'm not bad interested in astrology or physics, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of GMAT questions that have to do with meteorites and gravity and weak forces, strong <laughs> forces. And I thought, okay, I better, I better just like not learn anything about astrology, but learn to stomach the straight boredom. And in A Brief History of Time, I found myself so fascinated with nuclear um, vision. Yeah. And I've watched a million videos about nuclear fission in my past. And it was but never. But now I have a very fundamental understanding of it because I was forced to visualize it and comprehend it through no pictures. And I have to put the effort in. And I actually have solidified at a very, very, very high level nuclear fission. Even though I've watched YouTube videos on it before, I've had people explain it to me before, I've seen it before. But reading A Brief History of Time helps me learn it better. It's, I am so glad that you brought that up because I, I remember one of the very early books like a couple of years ago that I was uh, listening to was called Moonwalking with Einstein. And the book was specifically about memory techniques and, and it relied on you know, like basically you, you make a memory palace. So you go through rooms in your house and you imagine crazy things like an elephant, you know, balancing on a bowling ball, but the elephant has your phone number written on it. So that's easier to visualize than to like just randomly trying to memorize 10 digits. Here's where I was struggling. My ability to imagine crazy things was severely limited. And that is likely because in the last 10, 15 years of my life, all my imaginations have been done by CGI or all the things that have been on YouTube or TV. Someone has done the work for me. I just absorbed the end product. You know what I mean, Raj? So it, it, for you to generate that based on something that you read and for you to visualize what that could look like will be five to 10 times more effective in terms of retaining and learning that information than to just like on the surface, watch a video or, or just look at a photo or, or a schematic. So I can understand that. Yeah, and and one thing, you know, like the Tim Ferriss has all these hacks on how to speed read, and he's like, you should read 50 million books a year. And so I think <laughs> before I started, I was really concerned with uh, volume and quantity over quality. Yeah. And like, it doesn't matter how fast or slow you read. I'm a very slow reader, but I learned, I canceled my Netflix subscription mm -hmm. and I put my screen time uh, right on the front face of my phone. So it's right in my face when I'm on my phone. It's like, you've been on your phone for two hours today. Oh, wow. And I put a goal saying, okay, if I can be on my phone for this long, 
I can put it down and read. Like, there's no excuse. And that's really all it took. And I, I've really surprised myself on how many books I've actually been able to go through in a short period of time with my very weak reading capabilities from the start and how much improvement I've had over just six months. And I'm really doing it not to show I've read X amount of books. It's really for me to improve my verbal and improve my patience and creativity. That, that was the goal I set front. And I think people underestimate on their phone or watch and they get overwhelmed with a two, 300 page book because they're going to think, oh, it's going to take me so long. Like you shouldn't worry about how long it's going to take you. And, and I agree. When I started, I started with small books because you want that gratification. You don't want to start with a 700 page dense book and never finish it because that's not going to help you foster that. Yeah. So I started with, I mean, Gatsby is not that long of a book. Orwell's 1984 is not that long. Brief History of Time. I started with two, 300 page books. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm ready for Sapiens. It's a little bit longer. Yep. I've got the attention span and I'm not going to get discouraged halfway through thinking, oh, I'm, I'm a week into this. And I'm not finished. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. I can completely echo that sentiment that you start with a bite-sized piece and then that helps you build the habit until you have the habit. Don't like, you know, the first day you don't climb Mount Everest on day one, you climb the hill in the back, in the back of your house and you start from there. So Raj, I think we never really got into the, the specific books that we're reading, but we can table that for a different episode, Raj, because at the, at the moment, I think we had a great discussion about why reading is just important in general. So we'll start to close that off the episode at that and always remember to stay hungry. And read and stay humble. Thank you very much. Talk to you later.